I am very excited to say that this podcast was brought to you with support from the Arts Council England's National Lottery Projects Grants. Hi, I'm Gabrielle Scawthorne, and on this week's episode of Back From Reality, I went undercover and embedded myself in the epicentre of the Bachelor franchise. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I got a bit carried away there. Um, I didn't actually go undercover. I had a Zoom call in my lounge in my track pants, and that music is actually from the bill. It's a family favourite spanning from 1983 till 2010, so actually nothing to do with journalism at all. Sorry, just feeling myself a bit there. Um, So a few weeks ago, you might remember me doing a call out for any producers working in the reality television sphere, and no one actually got back to me. initially. So that was that was that was upsetting. But then someone did get in touch with a friend of a friend and thus Industry Insider Report was born. Now our guest today is still working within the industry, so to protect their identity and future job prospects, we have revoiced the interview with the help of the wickedly talented Brie Allen Jean Clark. You'll know Bree's work from ABC's and BBC's The Heights, but you'll remember her from this day forward as Anonymous Industry Insider. Okay, so what is it like for contestants living in the house? Like how many people do you have in a room? There's probably like three or four rooms and it's like eight to a room. To start with because there's like, what, 22, 24 people? So you have about eight people to a room. And are the production team all staying there as well or do they all have their own accommodation? No, no one lives there except for one person. They're called a house AP. So it's it's like a babysitter, but also they're there to keep an eye on the contestants and make sure they're getting ready at all the right times and also be there if anything goes wrong. It's a pretty intense role because they're there all the time. They do like three days on, three days off because they're needed 24 hours a day. Um, they'll be the last one to go to sleep, like after a cocktail ceremony, which we might finish at four o'clock. A.M. A.M., yeah. (laughs) The rose ceremonies go for like two and a half hours after like seven hours of drinking. So when you watch it back, all the boys, their eyes are like falling asleep and shit. It's (laughs) hysterical. (laughs) But everyone else in the production goes home except that one person and then the control room is on site as well. So that's where there's a lot of screens and everything, but that's like their workspace, which is also in the house. Right, and that control room, is that area off bounds for contestants? The contestants can't go in there, yeah. It's right there, but they can't go down the stairs because that's really where they're making the story. Okay, so when I talk to some of the guests that we have on our show, I ask them, you know, what's it like to live in the house? And they all say that it's really difficult because it's just, so bizarre. So what do you think that is? Why is it so difficult for contestants to live in this house? Because you're living on a film set. Like imagine you're on a stage set and you didn't leave. So like there's lighting up everywhere. It's all lit to look really beautiful. But when everyone else leaves, you go to your dorm. And then the next day at 7am, someone's walking through, like soundy start walking through the next day and you're in your pyjamas sitting on the couch. And the only way for them to get to the control room is through the lounge room. So like you're never off. You, you never can like have your own space really, unless you're in your bedroom. 
room. But like they've they've got no phones, uh, no laptops. They've got nothing. Your space is just constantly being invaded. I think that's why towards the end when the boys are just kind of losing it, like it's, you know, they, they, they can't sleep. Uh, you're there 24-7. You're thinking about all this stuff. People are constantly walking in and out, you know, chatting to you and you've got no control over when you get your own time. So that's why, I, yeah, I think it's hard. Um, your food gets ordered for you. Uh, you can cook and and train and stuff like that. Like they're looked after with food and, and like health-wise. Um, but it's it's just a money thing. If, if they had to find somewhere else for them to sleep and then somewhere else to film, it would just be like, double the cost. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I think the longer they stay there, the more they kind of lose their minds towards the end. And were there people who are like mentally losing it a bit? Yeah, I, I think lots of them struggle sleeping towards the end. They can't sleep. They're just constantly in a state of kind of being on um, because you're there for so long, no phone, no nothing. And it's just like, you can, you get rest days every now and then, but it's just, it's kind of constant. And then lots of the stuff you don't realize is that before the ceremonies, everyone has like lots of hair and makeup. The girls have got to be in makeup all day. Like they'll go in to start makeup at like one o'clock. Uh, then the cocktail party doesn't start till it's dark for the girls because, and because they film in summer, that's not until like 8.30. And then they'll do that to like one thirty two, and they'll do the rose ceremony at like 2 a.m. So people think that, you know, they, they get really drunk and stuff, but they're also just vulnerable because they're tired and exhausted. And that time as well, they're also getting interviews, they're all getting their voxies and stuff. They're just constantly being pulled places. And then they do the cocktail party and they've just got to be, you know, on. Uh, but they do have the support. Like if people are losing it or or something and they, they, they do have an on-call psych and all that stuff. So there is like a big change in duty of care in recent years, which I think is for the better. So I was talking to a producer who works on The Bachelor in Paradise, and she was saying that it's really important to us that we brief all of our contestants super well on, like, the experience, you know, what what it's going to be like inside the house so that they know what they're getting into. But then I was thinking, and, you know, surely I was briefed about going into reality television, but I was also a young girl, and I think as they were briefing me, I was just like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, no, 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 yep, that sounds good, sounds good. Yeah, they do. They do get briefed. They they have to get briefed. I just went to a briefing for my next job that I'm doing and the briefing stuff they take very, very seriously um, because if they don't tell people what the experience is going to be like, then people are harder to work with over the process. But is there anyone that you've worked with, though, that even after you've had that briefing, when they actually start doing it, they've said, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this? From my experience, uh, I think of all the people that go in, there's like maybe five or six people who are there and are genuine contenders for The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Then there's seven or eight people who are there for the Instagram who, you know, they're there to party and they're they're the best people for producers to work with because they know when it's a cocktail party that it's their time 
to shine. They're going to walk around the room, tell people to fuck off, and <laughs> it's just fun. And it's like, cool, producer's dream. <laughs> um, and then I think the last third of people, uh, they they do get briefed about the experience and that it's going to be hard, but they they genuinely think that they're going to fall in love with this girl or guy, you know, and that they have a have a shot and they get confused that they're on a TV show like lots and lots of the people don't even watch the show before they go on they're like I've never really watched it before and I'm like are you serious um so they go there and they are feeling like they're getting manipulated or their words are being twisted and that's when people start to go hang on what did I sign up for and I think that's that's the vulnerable group but um even when you get to the very end uh the time you actually get with the bachelor or bachelorette is like you might only have two single dates it, it looks like you spend the whole afternoon together but it's not actually like that. Like, say they go, you know, on a helicopter ride or, or something like that. They they both get driven in separate cars. Um, so then you go and they, they have the helicopter ride and then they get back in separate cars. Um, they move somewhere else. They put them there in separate rooms while they do hair and makeup and stuff. They come together and they do all the intimacy stuff and they have, like, another hour and a half together and then that's it so when you get down to the last five or six people they haven't actually spent that much time with the person anyway that's why I think people get really confused they're like why don't I get to talk with the bachelor or bachelor bachelorette they they you know why are they not hanging out with us and that's when they kind of lose it and that's when they feel like they're being you know, they've signed up for the wrong thing. Um, I feel like people get really embarrassed as well. They're like, holy shit, you know, people are going to see this, um, especially, you know, if they get out early. Um, some people get really, really embarrassed about that. Have you ever had to deal with something like that, like a full-on meltdown after someone's been voted out or anything like that? Um, uh, I've, I've dealt with dickheads. Um, when the boys <laughs> get out, it's often like, oh, I'm going to miss the boys. But <laughs> also kind of like, you know, phew, it's like a weight off, off my shoulders and now I can get back to my normal life. But no one's ever like, damn it, I really thought The Bachelor or The Bachelorette was the one. Um, so sometimes as well, um, you know, people get too drunk. They've got to put them, uh, you know, they've got to put them to the side and then they like give them sausage rolls and give them food or something. Um, people think that, that, uh, they get them really drunk, but when they get too drunk, it's, it's actually just not watchable. You, you, you can't watch that. And it, it's not good telly when they're slurring their words and stuff. Um, so you don't want to see that. They want people kind of buzzed. Um, they sometimes play music and kind of buzz them, but as soon as you're slurring your words, like no one wants to watch that. Um, but they drink Red Bull vodkas. Um, they love Red Bull. But people get nervous. Like most of these people are, are, are not like showmen. They're not actors. So uh, when you're put on a film set of 20 people, you know, plus you've got to woo the guy or the girl, people people are wanting to drink um, to sort of kind of G themselves up, really. Um, so a lot of the time they don't need the producer in their ear or uh, to kind of get them to do stuff. It's just a result of the experience and it's a result of, of the show. When you say, you know, there are maybe eight actual kind of serious contenders and then you've got your Instagram people and then you've got this weird middle ground, do people 
Do people know what the score is? Do people know like, oh, I'm an actual contender or do people know the term that was used with us recently was background bitch? Like, yes, oh, I'm a background bitch or I'm a contender. Do people know what the score is? No, I don't think so until it's shown uh, because when we do cocktail parties and stuff, there's lots of cameras everywhere. So you don't know what content is going to be released. So I think most people think they have you know, most people think they have their moment in the sun. So someone might take the bachelorette or the bachelor for a chat and talk to them for like 35 minutes and do this whole kind of thing. And then it's never aired, but they would have felt like a million bucks at the time. Like the contestants used to say to each other, hey, if, if you want to, if you want screen time, you got to start chirping up a bit more and, and like, you know, let's cause some drama. But some people go in knowing they're not going to get that far. So sometimes it's a surprise when they end up in the top five. I think when it, it gets to the top five and, and then you can invite your families and stuff, like it's it's a bit cringe at that point. Um, it can be a bit like I'm here in the top four, but like I'm going to take you to my family, like when there's no way we're going to end up together. I would imagine that to, that to be very awkward, uh, you know, when, when your family gets involved like that. Are there people who are just like, no, I'm not getting my family involved? It's normally that the family say no or the family can't come, but the producers are in the people's ear like, no, no, if you if you want the person, you, you bring your family. So they always want their families on. The people that say no uh, would be the families themselves. But it's weird. There are a few people that really want The Bachelor or Bachelorette, but it's like more of like the experience they're invested in. Like when the top five are announced, it's like, congratulations, boys. Like top five, top five. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you know, so that's strange. Do the girls tend to get more involved with the guy and are the boys kind of just there for the experience? Um, yeah, I think like the boys club is always a, a thing. If you look back at all the series, everyone's always kind of like, you just want to be one of the boys or do you actually want to be with me? Um, but the girls get the girls get really protective, I think. Uh, but the girls are easier to work with. The guys talk back and, and you really have to give it to them. You really have to meet them on their level. Like you've got to be strong, like back at them, you know. But as soon as you start acting, like a dickhead the production gets against you and then it's like yeah nobody really cares about how you're represented if if that happens especially if you're if you're rude to people like some people come on the show and they're rude and entitled because they're like you've got me here I'm the show so they you know expect a lot and so as soon as they start behaving like that and they start being rude to the crew or rude to the bachelorette it's like you'll be gone soon um you know has there ever been something that's happened where you felt uncomfortable with how the contestants have been treated? Um, I think you can notice in the characters that they get on these shows where there's a line. Like you can tell if this person is potentially on the spectrum, you know, for example, but it's it's not so far that it's too noticeable. I think that's when it's uncomfortable it is when they have people on the show which you think genuinely have an actual problem. And so then it's not actually that the producers are making them say all these things. It's because they actually have an interesting way of talking, you know. And so I think putting people like that on, like on TV, I think there should be a better kind of process, you know, to kind of be like, oh no, you know, this person's not all there. And then to put them in an environment under extreme stress, that's where I feel kind of like, oh, like this person shouldn't be on this show. So you think it's more of a casting thing? It's like that person 
never should have been here in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think of all the bad things that the show might represent. The the really cool thing and the interesting thing is for cocktail parties and stuff is when you've got the directors downstairs who are kind of like these, you know, on-the-fly storytellers and they've got all their cameras and they're kind of watching it go and they're all talking and they're making storylines, they're making it all happen. And I was like, you know, that's impressive like they're they're not going to manipulate anyone but they're just like we've we've got five hours of filming let's make this a cracker and they just whip it out but I've worked on other shows where the contestants have been quite upset and you'll radiate through to a more senior producer and they'll be like did you get it on camera and I'd be like whoa I was just saying more for a duty of care like hey this person was kind of upset we should probably note this down I have been hearing more and more from some of the people that we're talking to that it seems like some shows play a bit dirtier than others? Do you think that there are some shows that just ignore their duty of care altogether? I think you can't now. More and more things keep happening on television over the years and, and you just can't have bad a bad duty of care arrangement. I think what ha- has uh, happened in the past can also negate how far they can go. So if some wild things happened in the last few years, then it can kind of repeat itself again. But to produce someone first, it's about how you can make their story interesting and get their emotions out. Uh, How can we get them to explain what they're saying in a coherent kind of way, which is entertaining, and we can get an insight into the person's psyche. But sometimes in certain shows, you can be in positions as producers, I think, where you can kind of get them to say something a bit you know, you can kind of tap into their psyche. You can get them to say something a bit more controversial. And it's those shows which need that to function. You, you know, you need people talking shit about each other. You need all that drama. But I think people should know that when they sign up. And, and that's when the producers kind of have to kind of get a bit more out of them. And that's when you've got to use the, you know, that best friend mentality. And then we become better mates than the people in the house because they they know you've got their back. And then they come to me with everything they think, like, hey, should I do this? Should I do that? But in lots of situations, it's like, yeah, I, I've got your back until a better situation presents itself. Yeah. Because I find even with this podcast, I really want my guests to trust me and, you know, for us to have a good relationship. But at the end of the day, I also have this ulterior motive of I want to make an interesting podcast, you know, and I want to get the best answer from them. But there have been instances where people have said something on my show well, and then they've asked for it to be taken out because it might be damaging to them. So has there ever been an instance on a show that you've worked on where someone has said something that is just completely inappropriate? And has that show been like, oh, no, 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 we we cannot play that because that's going to be quite harmful to them? Or does the show go, great? If it's only something that's harmful to the contestant, um, as long as it's not something which is going to affect the brand of the show and the network, then no, they, they will not care at all. You know, they've signed all this stuff to say that anything, you know, they say or do, we can use. And so they have no control over that. You you sign everything away. Everything they catch, they can use. It, it would be in the contract for sure. So they can m- manipulate it any way they like. Uh, they film all the time and they can use snippets from here and snippets from here and, and make you look like a totally different person than you 
you were just just for the story. It, it's it's the story. The the story in the show is the main priority, and all the people within it are the last priority. Right. Okay. Um, and for the people that do get to like the top five or they win the show, is there any financial benefit to that? No, they they get nothing. They get like 90 bucks a day throughout the whole thing, yeah, which, which is like nothing. And that's that's all reality shows. They get all food and, and board obviously paid, but that's all they really get. Um, and there's, yeah, there's no financial reward. There's nothing. I, I guess there's, you know, just more publicity. I mean, I'm curious because there have been a few guys who had really positive edits when they were on The Bachelorette and then in the later season of The Bachelor in Paradise have been turned into total villains. Do you think that people have any idea of what edit they're going to get? You can kind of control it. I think you can if you're smart. Um, on, on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, you can because every week you've got a group date, you've got a single date and you've got your cocktail party. So you can kind of control your edit by how you perform in on those occasions. But on Bachelor in Paradise, it's different because there's so many different people and they can use snippets of everything. Whereas in The Bachelorette, there's not much around the house chat with the boys really it's always just around the cocktail party so I think I think you can kind of control a a bit because like the thing that has confused me is that these two boys Tim and Kieran they had gotten like polar opposite edits and then to me I go well then what is actually real because it kind of breeds this distrust in the franchise because I kind of go well you showed me these angels last season and now they're like borderline rapists. So that's like, you know, totally different. Well, people people will believe what they see, you know. No one's going to think like like you're thinking now. He, he, he probably did have lots of nice conversations, but like any other drama or anything, you've, you've got to have the villain, you've got to have the nice guy and you've got to have like the cute little romance happening. But... But then you've also got to have something really destructive. So it wouldn't help the franchise or it wouldn't help the story of the franchise to confuse an audience by showing the happiness and the fun that he was also having because you don't want it to be too hard to digest or or too multi-layered. It's quite it's quite surface when when you think about it. Um, you know, we want to know, cool, he's being a dick, yep, and everyone hates him, cool. And I think it's a lottery when you go into these experiences. Uh, you, you sign yourself up for this and you've you've got no idea how you're going to be represented. But um, the number one priority in these shows is making money, you know. So the more viewers that you have watching it, the more money they're getting on ads. Uh, so that's why they're so serious about, you know, the leaking of information or the leaking of the final winner and stuff. Because if the winner gets leaked, then like half a million less people will tune in to the finale. So, you know, it's a business, you know. So um, I don't know how you could make a model where people can get a nice, honest edit uh, because there's there's also limited time. They they film for 12 hours a day on some of these shows and it's like, cool, so we've got an hour episode, which is what, like 40 minutes of content. So we're not going to waste time with you giving a foot massage to everyone. We want to see the juicy shit. 
Do the producers have much involvement in who gets picked in the rose ceremonies? There are people who they will want if they're providing good content. So no matter what The Bachelor or Bachelorette is saying, they won't let the person leave until it gets, you know, too pointy. The Bachelorette could be like, hey, I can never see myself with this person, but they're like, he's got to stay, this person's going to stay. So even if if they're not you know, going to win this, um, they'll have them stay. But, you know, they know that, the the Bachelor and Bachelorette know that because at the end of the day they're making a TV show and the Bachelor and Bachelorette, they, they all know that that's exactly what they're doing. They're making a TV show and there's stuff that comes along with that. So it's always a conversation of who you want uh, to take on the single date. The order is always decided, like on the on the order of how they read out the roses. That's always decided by the teams. But it's, it's always a conversation. It's never like this person's going home. It's a conversation with the producers and the bachelor or bachelorette because, yeah, because it's a TV show. Yeah, it, it's a conversation because it's a, a TV show. Lots of the time they wouldn't even know who to send home because they don't know these people. Like the first rose ceremony, they would have said hi or something and they're like sending three people home. They, they've even got an earpiece in because they don't know the names. They they get fed the names. That's actually why they um, stand there for so long between names. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, would you – and look, I ask everyone this. This is a bit of a signature question of mine. Would you – ever go on reality television yourself? Um, I wouldn't go on Batchy. I um, I would only have gone on the, the old Big Brother, I think, because now they film it over seven weeks and then they edit it for two months, so it, it's not live, and, and then they they can have complete control, whereas the old Big Brother, they only had, you know, a week to edit. So there would be really funny content because they'd have to fill content with something. So if you were a cool, funny person, you know, it would it would come through. Um, you could control your edit more, I think. And that concludes my interview with Mike Fleece. Diane Weiss, Adele Dezeem. Shit. Oh, I've exposed the sores. Anyway, I would like to thank my one true love, Brielle and Jean Clark, for her startling realistic portrayal of Industry Insider. I'm Gabrielle Scorthorn, you're fantastic, and this has been the Back From Reality podcast. This podcast was produced by Hugo Chiarella for Unlikely Productions. The dulcet melody that you are listening to right now was crafted by Robert Tripolino. If you reckon this podcast is a bit of all right, please tell your mates, post about the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find the show. Come on, get a girl out there. You can also follow me at Gjoska on Instagram. Yeah, I know, that's G-J-O-S-C-A. Not my best, not my worst. You can also follow me at ScorthorneGab on Twitter. It's my name, but backwards. Hey, we should do this again sometime.